I'm Jonathan Lehman. And I'm Mark Dever. And welcome to this episode of the Nine Marks Pastors Talk. Nine Marks exists to equip church leaders with a biblical vision and practical resources for building healthy churches. Learn more at ninemarks.org. And Mark, today we have two good friends with us. Here we are at Southeastern Seminary. People are looking on, and we have two good friends with us for this conversation. Brian Davis, pastor of Risen Christ Fellowship in Philadelphia. One of the pastors. One of the pastors. And John Onwachekwa, pastor of Cornerstone Church in Atlanta, GA. Also one of the pastors. But but the lead pastor. Okay. But one of the pastors. We have lead senior bishop elders. That's it. Yeah. Keep that right up there. Um, Guys, what I want your help thinking about today is helping to grow your people in spiritual disciplines, in their reading their Bibles and in their praying. So growing, not guilting your people in spiritual disciplines. So just this week, I was talking with a guy in my church who is kind of a mess, right? And we got together and we diagnosed all the specific things in his relationships and how he's hurting his relationships and there's all of that. But at the end of the day, I know he's not reading his Bible and he's not praying. And in my experience, there's almost a one-to-one correspondence between people growing in the faith who are reading and praying and those, are aren't, who, those who aren't. So I want to think, okay, as pastors, how are we helping our people grow in the spiritual disciplines? And Brian, I want to start with you because you just gave a great talk. Could you give us a 30-second summary? Yes, that's right of what you just said in your talk. It's not just the decision to pray and to read, it's the decision before the decision. What, what, what's the point there? I'm an independent Baptist. Um, <clears throat> it's so I think uh, there's an, there can sometimes be an unaddressed domain of how decisions happen with particularly the spiritual disciplines um, and what causes you to do them, especially if it can happen in two ways. If you don't do them um, as a habit or if you do them as a habit, it's it's easy for the heart to get disinvolved or to not be addressed. I just thought it was interesting, the kind of internal processing uh, that is present in the text, the choosing uh, language and why the, the choosing the Mary happens. Martha yeah. text yeah what, choosing the good portion on. yeah Martha the thing the that's wrong. necessary um, so that was kind of what I was I was trying to get at yeah I think uh, back in September of 2019 uh, at the nine marks conference at Southeastern Brian Davis gave a really good talk from Luke 10 38 to 42 about Mary and Martha that was good. and he had two points one there's one thing necessary and that's Jesus <laughs> and two he is the good thing so you want to persuade the person that the only thing they really need to do, they really need to do, is know the Lord through Jesus. And the only thing that they need to do that for is because that's the best thing there is. There's nothing as good as that. So somehow we want to pray that they see that the best thing they could do is not reorganize their finances or look for a better job or try to build an addition to their house. It's to make sure they know the Lord. So there's a decision. Should I read the Bible and pray this morning? There's a decision behind the decision, which is what's most valuable. Something's telling me that what he just did is what you were asking me to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes, good, good. 
Okay, guys, as simply as possible, should the members of our churches be reading the Bible on their own and praying on their own? Should they and why? Yes. I just preached that, a message on Luke 10. That was meant uh, to be a softball. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I would say yes, because I think that's the way that they're going to attain or get the, um, the enjoyment that comes from Christ. So we like to talk about, like, if, if Christ is the refreshing water, the disciplines are the straw, right? So it's not those things themselves that quench us. It's those things that are the channel to get him to us. And so I think we want them to do it on their own. But here's one thing that I found. I think sometimes when we talk about that as the end goal, people think that unless from day one they do that on their own, that somehow they're cheating if in the interim uh, they just really need somebody else to do that, that with them. So I do think that the goal is that they would do that on their own. But somebody that's struggling to do that on their own, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best to get them to say, if you make it a group project in the meantime, I don't think that it's cheating. I actually think that it would be a good Your, your book on prayer called Prayer is Good at Helping That. Yeah. Do you guys teach the members of your church to be doing this, to be reading the Bible and praying at home? First thing, maybe should be helpful to say, as a member of the church myself, I, it needs to be something that I'm, I'm authentically doing. And I think just being honest with kind of personal struggles that you might have, I think is helpful uh, for the congregation. So it's not like the pastors are kind of the masters of, of all things spiritual. And we're talking to people that are not at all. Um, I trust there's people in our church that are more faithful, holy, humble, and godly than, than I am. So it's not... It's not a matter of <clears throat> trying to get them to do something that they don't want to do. Again, um, one thing you're assuming, and I think you're trying to help them appreciate, is it's a Christian thing. It's not like a super Christian thing. The saints love the Lord, like all of them. You know what I'm saying? Like all the saints in glory are super happy to be there. You know what I mean? Uh, without exception. Uh, and we're all saints. You know what I'm saying? So the, in one sense, it's that dual personality that all believers have where there's knowing the right thing and then actually choosing to do it. And so, and I think we want to use all that we have, all the means we have, whether that's pastors, friends, community, whatever, to commune with the Lord. It's all about communing with the Lord because that's what glory, glory is just an environment that is um, undivided and unhindered in the people of God enjoying their Lord. So everything that happens in glory is the people of God enjoying their Lord. And we're trying to show how that's lived out this side of glory uh, by faith. So... <clears throat> Just one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm regularly trying to do is I want to have a vibrant uh, devotional life myself, not just privately, um, because that's, you can't have just a one-sided devotional life. You know, the saints, they, they love God, love neighbor. There's a vertical, horizontal aspect to just our Christianity. So I'm, I'm trying to be authentically uh, and as wholly devoted to Jesus as I can be and trying to encourage the church um, as a someone who's trying to do it with them, um, rather than someone who has the answers for it all or who's, in some measure, you, you know, as, el as elders, there's an example you, you do, you are able to provide, imitate me insofar as we, we imitate Christ. Um, but there's also other examples to point to in yeah. the congregation. I remember when I was in seminary, my pastor was Tom Schreiner, 
and he, he discipled me. And he had previously been an, an elder with John Piper. And I remember Tom one day telling me the story about, oh, yeah, yeah, John isn't the holiest guy in that church. I mean, I could appoint to some of the old ladies who completely, you know, love the Lord in, in, in remarkable ways that John would have learned from. And I remember that was kind of mind-blowing to me because, you know, we have this vision of John Piper entranced with, you know, a big God. And here's Tom saying, well, no, there's ladies and men in the church who, do you guys ever share your weaknesses in the spiritual disciplines with members of your church? Yes. Often. I try to do it often just because I think uh, sometimes there's like something encouraging about failure. Uh, I think wisdom or weaknesses sometimes impact people more than, yeah, the wisdom that you try to hurl at them because they themselves see, oh, like, there's somebody else, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I need help to be a Christian. I need help to be a Christian. So uh, part of how that happens is I'm, I, I need the saints to know that I need help and to know areas to pray for me and, and hold me accountable to. Um, so, I mean, that's a means of grace. Mark, you've been quiet. Do you teach on this and do you share your own weaknesses? Yeah. <laughs> yes and yes. Yes, you teach on this. Yes, you share your own weaknesses. Can you overshare your weaknesses? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're looking for is an authenticity and a transparency, a humility. Um, so I don't think it's, you have to make sure you account every sin you're aware of and verbalize that to someone, nor certainly on the other hand, you put a mask on as if the pastor has no sins. But I think you, you want the members of your church to relate to you really honestly, and you want to be a model of that. Uh, so what different people's situations in life are and personalities are, the prescription will be a bit different for each one. But that's, that's the kind of balance we're aiming at, the reality of it. And, and just a word on encouragement. I think one of the reasons we want to teach our people to want to pray and spend time with the Lord and his word is because all of the other so-called gods are fakes. Yeah. None of them really say anything. They don't exist. God really is. He, he has spoken in his word. We really can come to know him. So to, to not encourage people to talk to him in prayer and read his word is, is to like lay the main thing on the table and leave it alone that distinguishes us from all the fake religions. So by all means, reading the Bible and praying is like breathing spiritually. To use Jonah's good line from his book, yeah. With, with, with half of it, he fashions an idol. With half of it, he bakes his bread. Right, that line from Isaiah. Even Isaiah. Said before you did, John. Yeah. <laughs> like John says. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's let's go to my let's go to my guy, who I said, I'm looking at him. I'm thinking, you don't read your Bible. You don't pray. What do you as pastors do with that guy? It so depends on why that's the case. You know, weakness or wickedness. You know, is it his heart is cold toward God? Or has the brother just been through a lot? Is his wife in a rough state? You know, has he just had a hard thing at work? So it just so, totally depends on what the situation is. Let's suppose it's just years of spiritual complacency. 
I assume he's probably spiritually dead and no true Christian. You have members of your church. Let me push you there. You have members of your church who I assume are Christians, but who have been just lukewarm maybe for a while or at least complacent. Let me avoid the lukewarm language. Why? Because what God says in Revelation chapter Yeah, I know. That's why I said let me, let me avoid that language. He's just been <laughs> spiritually complacent for a, a season. And he's, he comes to you and says, I just don't desire to pray. I don't desire to read my Bible, but I know I need to, and I know I want to want to, Mark. I'm just, I get up in the morning, and the urgencies of the day overtake me, and I just yet another day passes, and another week passes, and another year passes. I think what I'm going to do is, uh, in that case, I'm going to try my best to surround him with other hot coals as much as I can and see if that lights him, right? That sometimes it is. There is a spark, it just needs to be relit. And so we'll do all that we can to surround him with folks that can kind of help to light him. But then it comes to a point where it's like this. Sometimes you can put what you think is a coal in the group of the rest of the coals and the rest of the coals get hot. And regardless of how long it stays there, it just doesn't get red and turn gray because at the end of the day, it's not a coal, right? So from that aspect, that is where the church is a very good thing to be able to put somebody in and if yeah they're not lit by the goodness of God in the rest of the hot coals then I think um yeah then we have the conversation um you just think about the ministry of Jesus and his mercy and his tenderness and how he doesn't break the bruised reed in a smoking wick he doesn't quench and um you think about how I saw that hand coming just right? I was, I was there it is and how um it's one thing for someone to not ever pray. And it's another thing for them not to pray much. So when we're praying as a church, is he playing a game or is he praying with us? If he's out and he's overwhelmed and as best as he can articulate it, Lord, help me. Or like, is there no prayer? Like absolutely none. Or are we talking about a little bit few? Because if it's a little bit few, uh, that's not a right sentence. If there's just a little bit... Uh, Jesus receives the little bit, and he does much with the little bit. And that's why we all love Jesus. Uh, he doesn't send us away for just having a little bit. Um, one of my favorite passages on pastoring is not referring to pastors, but about the high priest in Hebrews. Um, and in chapter 5, it says, Every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of God in relation to men to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So part of why God establishes leaders is so that there's some kind of communication of what God's like from those leaders to them. In verse two, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. And I just think that's helpful. Um, I can think of seasons where I've struggled to do very basic Christian things um, and needed a lot of help and just to be carried. And you think about it, bearing one another's burdens, fulfilling the law of Christ. So I think until a pastor's kind of been willing to meet with somebody and pray with them every single day to see if that fire can grow, I think they should be slow to kind of say that they're not a believer at all. So I think really our job is to do all we can as shepherds to strengthen the, those who are weak and to help them, right? You admonish the idle, you help the weak, you encourage the faint-hearted, but we're called to be patient with them all and that with a perfect, a perfect patience. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, that's probably do you, do, you, do, you ever, do you ever meet with people mm -hmm. or help structure in quiet times? Like, hey, call me every morning at 7. 
We'll read. Hey, tell me once a week how it's better. Do you I haven't do that done sort of that to call me. I know saints who do. Uh, I've considered doing it with a couple people who seem uh, just peculiarly distant uh, to any kind of regularity in terms of discipline. Do you guys ever try to help provide the structure, the external structure someone needs? I've done it at times. Yeah. Mark? I did back in the 70s. <laughs> in the 70s. When I was an undergrad, you know, I, I would have a quiet time. But not so much now. Christians. It's not really a good stage in life for that. But I mean, I can certainly meet with them, yeah. you know, when I meet with them during the day, and, and I certainly pray with them and talk to them about their prayer life. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, years ago, before my wife and I had kids, there were two young men that started to come to our church, and uh, we were just getting ready to buy a house and sat with them one day. And granted, we don't do this all the time, but they both just shared how weighed down they were, and they were both in, you know, not like Job-type stuff, but it was just this peculiar weight on them. So we invited them to come and live with us, um, and they lived with us for a time, and that was just the best way that we could think of to intersect our lives with theirs so that we could it, help them walk through. Full-in immersion, Jesus-like. Full-in. One walks with the Lord right now, one doesn't. Yeah. So. Now, Mark, should I pay attention to that clock or that clock? 1040. Well, brothers, there's a lot more I want to ask you on this, but time is out. Thank you for the conversation.